0: Everybody, welcome into the Penn State Football 365 podcast. My name is Dale Cowan Crowley. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Anthony Azan and Marty Leap. And uh, gentlemen, I, I got to be honest, I'm not sure there's anything really to talk about in today's episode. Nothing really happening in Penn State football or around the country in college football today. Uh, so you guys have anything you want to talk about or should we uh, just kind of make this a really short five minute episode and wrap it up here?
1: Yeah. You know, I don't, I really don't think there is, you know, we're going into the dead period for recruiting. Um, man. I really wish Penn state would have picked up a commitment today. Maybe we'd have got some realignment news, you know, the big 10 ex- expanding all that would have been cool to have today, but no, you know, obviously at this point, everyone knows the story. Um, a one of the most, I don't seismic. think to say. Yeah. Seismic game changing days in the history of college football with USC and UCLA announcing they will join the Big Ten. And, you know, I'm just pumped for Pac-12 after dark, now being Big Ten after dark. I I know I saw someone tweet this earlier. said It's going to be – it's midnight. Your eyes are getting tired, and you flip on the BTN, where Indiana and UCLA are tied at 42, going to the fourth quarter, and you sit back and crack open your 15th beer of the day and just go full sicko mode and enjoy it. But, no, yeah, there's definitely a lot going on in the world of college football right now.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like like you said, Marty, just a seismic day, and I'll let Anthony go in a second, and I'll get my stuff in later. But I don't know if it's even hit me yet that of what has happened today, and it happened so fast. I mean, it was what about one twelve thirty one? I think it was maybe one one o'clock, one thirty p.m. Eastern time when we first started hearing the rumors about this, and then by six o'clock, six thirty, it was a done deal, and here we are, and just. I don't think it's me yet that in two years USC and UCLA are going to be part of the Big Ten. I mean, just what an incredible day! And Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC was huge, but it didn't, and and it and it did feel huge. But the, you you, sorry, Oklahoma and Texas are right there, kind of with the SEC. Texas a And M is in the SEC already. Missouri, you know, Arkansas are already in the SEC. But for two California schools, USC, one of the premier programs in all of college football history, to leave the Pac-12, leave the West Coast, and join a conference that is made up of Midwestern universities and a few East Mid-Atlantic universities is just, just wow. I, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of words that you can use to describe this. Wow. Uh, I, I I know I tried to limit the profanity, but uh, holy would be another one.
2: Uh, just I mean, what a day. Mar- Anthony, you can go. Yeah, I mean, on a day where Penn State gets a commit and uh, in the world of college football, a five star offensive tackle commits to Iowa, you know, this is by far the biggest news of the day. It's been quite the eventful news cycle for college football. It's been kind of off the chain, but. Yeah, I don't even know where you begin on this. You talked about Texas and Oklahoma. That kind of opened the door for this idea of the super conferences to form. This just just kicked it completely off its hinges. You know, that door is now completely gone. You know, there's so many questions that I have in my head, so many possibilities about what can happen moving forward that I definitely want to get into on this episode. You know, just for starters, what could happen? What's going to happen to the Pac-12 you know, is the Big Ten going to add more teams? How does this affect the other conferences? There are so many variables that are still yet to be played out. It's really fascinating, but at the same time, it's also sad. And we can get into that later, too. But, you know, the Power Five is, is going to be dead very soon. And along with that, the college football that we've known and loved for decades So, you know, how does this all change? Where does this all go? There's, it's so crazy. Like it hasn't hit me yet either that like, this is actually happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, let's, let's kind of start where it matters first, at least for this podcast sake, what does this mean for Penn state and Penn state football? I, uh, the first reaction I had coming out of this news was the next year or two has become even bigger for Penn state in terms of getting everything they need to figure out in terms of NIL and other football related needs figured out because once UCLA, I mean, I think UCLA will fill in nicely into the mid tier of the big 10. I think they, I I think, I think UCLA is a nice addition to big 10 football. If UCLA can take a little bit of a step. Um, USC, however, I mean, that is a big dog to add to the picture when you're already talking about having Ohio State, Michigan, um, Michigan State, Wisconsin, so on and so forth, already in the picture. USC has all the money in the world that they want to spend in terms of NIL, especially with Lincoln Riley there. I don't think it's going to change the recruiting picture much for Penn State, USC, or any of the Big Ten. I think. Recruiting-wise, it's going to be pretty much status quo. But by adding those two programs, and especially USC, there's just another program now you have to become better than if you want to get to the top and want to win the conference and get to a college football playoff. I mean, you already have to go through Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State every single year. You probably won't have to go through USC every single year during the regular season. But, I mean, there's a damn good chance that to win a Big Ten championship, you're probably at least going to have to face USC once. So, I mean, just, it's going to be a big next two years for James Franklin, uh, incoming AD, Pat Craft, and the entire Penn State football program and university to figure out what they need to get the football program to where they want to be so they can continue to compete with the team's already in the Big Ten at the top, you know, like in AHA State. Stay up with the Michigan. But USC is going to be right up there with Ohio State as long as Lincoln Riley's there.
2: Yeah, no, uh, Pat Craft could not be coming in at a better time, you know, with all the changes going on in the college football realm. He probably should have came in earlier, for being honest. But if, if there was ever a time for him to come on board, it is now. So yeah, for Penn State, like you said, I think you said it perfectly. You got to get your NIL all figured out, even though I don't think it's going to really affect recruiting that much either. Recruiting has always been very geographical in terms of kids tend to stay closer to home. It's not a a steadfast rule, but in general, they tend to stay in their region when they go to school. So I don't think that's going to be affected too much, but I, I definitely think, like you said, you know, USC is another team at the top there. That is going to, you know, kind of, you know, affect your path to the top of the Big Ten. You know, UCLA is definitely, I think, more of a basketball addition. there, blue blood in basketball, decent yeah, in football.
0: That's, I mean, and we'll get. I'll get into that stuff later. The other thing I could be want to mention is, uh, what a hell hello there for Pat Craft. I mean, first day on the job, and Pat Craft already tomorrow. By the time this podcast goes up. It'll be Pat Craft's first day on the job as Penn State's AD. And uh, the Big Ten will already be be different than when he was hired just a couple months ago to take over. Um, And then, too, probably could say this later, but, uh, man, Lincoln Riley didn't know that Oklahoma was leaving for uh, the SEC last year. And now, less than a year later, he he probably didn't know. I guarantee he probably didn't know that – USC was going to join the Big Ten. I mean, uh, has anybody had a crazier last year than Lincoln Riley at this point?
2: It's been a one for everybody. But, yeah, no, that that's a – I know Twitter's had a field day with that one with Lincoln Riley because the whole idea of him going to the Pac-12 to try to escape the SEC, and now he's probably joining another super conference. So, fun stuff, man. This is This is – it's crazy. Everyone's going to have a different opinion on it, but it's nuts.
0: Yeah. Marty, Marty, what's your thoughts? Uh, we've talked a little bit here. What's uh, what's your thoughts on how it impacts Penn State?
1: I, I think with Penn State, to me, the biggest impact is you look at the current construction of the, of the Big Ten. Obviously, Ohio State's the alpha dog, but and I understand Michigan made the playoff this year. I I still think the argument is there that Penn state's the second best program in the big 10 behind Ohio state, you add USC, that becomes much more of a, uh, a fight to be the second best program in the conference. Now I will say with the playoff expanding and us most likely heading towards, you know, I I think, Anthony, you put it perfectly off air before we started two and a half super conferences, basically with the big 10 and the sec. And what's left of the PAC 12 and the big 12 and a few AAC schools joining together. With all of that, you could probably finish third in the Big Ten most years and still make the playoff. So I think you're okay there. But yeah, you guys know it. it's a big roadblock to winning the Big Ten now if you're James Franklin and you're Penn State. Um, getting Pat Craft in is huge. It seems like he's ready to hit the ground running with NIL, which is big because Penn State's been way behind the eight ball on that front. And, you know, I do think, though, with recruiting, geographically, sure, this may not change a bunch, although you're going to have kids out West. You're going to be watching a lot more Big Ten football now. What I will say is in the immediate with recruiting, you know, you take take a Tamir Robinson, for example, who Penn State is currently recruiting, uh, you know, four star edge rusher going to commit in July between Penn State, Miami, Virginia Tech we look at Miami and Virginia Tech, they're kind of stuck out in no man's land right now in terms of conference expansion. And if you're Penn State and you can pitch to some of these kids, like, look, look what the Big Ten's doing. We're going to be one of the premier conferences in college football. You come here, you're going to play against the best that's going to get you ready for the NFL. These other schools aren't going to be able to offer you that in the ACC or in the Big 12. I do think that is something we're going to see pitched on the recruiting trail in the next year or two until all of this really settles down and we kind of know who's going where. Yeah, it's just, it's a whirlwind. It really is. You know, this is yeah. conference expansion, obviously, is nothing new. Ever since the Big East started to fall apart, it's kind of been the norm every few years. But this is a big one. This is right there with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC of just nuclear levels of of realignment. And, yeah, like I said earlier, I think this, if there was ever any hope of college football not moving towards the Super Conference, this ended it.
0: I would even argue this is bigger than Oklahoma and um, Texas because I I don't know if I finished this thought earlier, so I apologize if it didn't. But I think with Oklahoma and Texas, like I was saying, those two are very close. Oklahoma and Texas are right next to the SEC basically. So geographically it it didn't, you know, make uh, like no, no sense at all. And it was a little easier to digest. It didn't force any other moves. This move, however, for USC and UCLA to jump across country now to join the Big Ten. Uh that's quite the jump. I mean, geographically, this makes no sense at all. USC and UCLA are likely for at least a year or two going to be the only two programs on the West Coast, or I mean, what's the most further furthest West program right now in the Big Ten? Nebraska. Is it Nebraska, it, or is it, Minnesota, it Nebraska, Minnesota, one of those. Um, either way, that, and now the Midwest is, you know, it's a little far west, but California is a whole different animal in terms of distance to travel. And and if you look at beyond football, I mean, it, how, how is this going to impact non-revenue sports? Because they are moving in all sports, I think, except beach volleyball, which – I don't know guys. I think I don't think USC women's or men's beach volleyball is ready for Penn State beach volleyball, but we'll see. Well, I mean we won't see at this point, but uh I don't know how it's going to impact non-revenue sports, but yeah, this this is going to force moves because now the Pac-12 is going to have to really fast find either how to replace two of your members, including your flagship member, your anchor member, and if not, you got to figure out how, what you're doing the rest of your conference. And now it's going to force you know damn well the SEC ain't gonna sit down there and just relax now that Penn State went out. Sorry, Penn State, the Big Ten went out and got USC and UCLA. Um, so they're gonna come back and grab somebody and then and then the Big Ten, you know, will probably do the same because both these teams, both of these conferences will probably get to 20 teams by the time this is all said and done. And then you have uh, scraps of the ACC and Pac-12 left. And like Marty said and Anthony said before we go live, you you may see a somewhat super conference out of those three conferences left. I mean, right now you ask me, I think we had the Big Ten, the SEC going in their paths as they're going right now. And we may see the Pac-12 and Big 12 team up here to form a conference, which is going to be – an Okay. Conference won't be great, but I mean, who else are they going to lose before then? And uh, that also then leaves the ACC out, which if you look at the ACC, they have a TV contract through 2036 with ESPN. I mean, let's not act like ESPN doesn't have a huge say in, in all this. I mean, they had a huge part of Oklahoma and Texas moving last year um, and TV Deals is a big reason the US, is USC and UCLA is moving into the Big Ten right now because we, as we all know, the Big Ten right now is in discussions for a new TV contract. And guess what just went up by probably a half a billion dollars today? That next TV contract, because now the Big Ten will have the Los Angeles TV market, the New York TV market, Chicago, and Philadelphia. Uh, and who knows who they add next, but that's why I think there's maybe even bigger of a seismic event in College football than Oklahoma and Texas. I'm sorry for rambling, but that's 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 just
2: my view. No, that was very well said. And you alluded to you said it pretty much straight up, but my point was gonna be that this is far from over. You know, there are so like I said before, there are so many variables left in play here. And just focusing on the Pac-12 for right now, I can't wait to see what happens with Oregon, what happens with Washington, what happens with Utah. You know what happens with some of these other, you know, fairly yeah. solid programs out in the Pac-12. Stanford is the Oregon. big variable to me because I think yeah. I, I do think Oregon and Washington have a chance to jump to the Big Ten as well. You know, I yeah, want to happen- see what happens with Stanford because I think they would be great in the Big Ten. I really want to see a Stanford Northwestern rivalry, like a battle of the brains happen. I've been huge sure. into that idea. Like they, there's so much out there. I think uh, I think the Big 12 is gonna be yeah. t- a lot of different teams. Like it, it's gonna didn't be we, it's gonna be interesting. Didn't we see Stanford Northwestern this past year? Was it this past year? I forget, but I, I do want to see it on a regular basis. I want them to Yeah, be no, ready. absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, I mean and we've obviously, we, we did our little set on Penn States so and now we're talking about nationally, of course, and what could come. Um, Oregon, I think is a really interesting, interesting spot because they can jump ship to a big 10, right. And it can make, it can make sense at this point. Cause nothing, nothing would surprise me at this point, but, uh, at the same time, if Oregon would want to stay in the PAC 12 or maybe a PAC 12 big 12, uh, conference, um, They could become the premier program in a conference and continue to be at the top of the standings every year, compete for conference championships, and a spot in a college football playoff. If you put Oregon in the Big Ten, I think a realistic ceiling is what? Probably comparable to a Penn State ceiling.
2: Yeah, I think they're pretty comparable teams, honestly.
0: I mean, Oregon State has more money. Sorry, Oregon State. Oregon has more money in terms of NIL right now. And I mean, they have Phil Knight, um, but uh, yeah, I, I think Oregon's a really interesting spot because I could see them wanting to maintain being at the top of a conference. Uh, but if you're Oregon, how do you turn down possibly a hundred plus million dollars that you can get by joining the big 10 because UCLA and USC are going to both begin over a hundred million dollars by joining the big 10 and that's going to uh, solve a lot of UCLA's financial problems that they're going through right now. Anthony, what's up? What's your
2: thoughts? Yeah, a question to both of you guys, because I want to get Marty in on this too. If you were Yeah, so, yeah Ten, we've
0: been neglecting Marty here.
2: No, this is for Marty first. If you were the Big Ten, if you could pick two more teams outside of USC and UCLA to add from the Pac-12, who are you taking and why?
1: I'd go Oregon and Washington. Um, <clears throat> combination. Of Program prestige and program ceiling uh, They would be the two I would take um, I agree with Stanford I think it, I, I, I personally think we eventually see Stanford In the Big Ten after today But if I was Kevin Warren and could have my choice My first two picks would be Oregon And Washington
2: Dylan who you got
0: Anybody in the country No Pac-12 Oh Pac-12 sorry I was reading a text Um, Pac-12 Um, I would say, give me Oregon and give me, give me, I'm going to go Stanford because, and here's my reason. I I think Washington would be a good fit as well. Um, but I think with Stanford and it leads to something else. I think with Stanford, it becomes a good draw to eventually draw in a Notre Dame. Um,
2: Now, some I
0: was listening to, uh, good point. uh, I I was listening to multiple podcasts and radio, uh, uh, shows today, so I forget who said it, and I do apologize. Um, but somebody did mention that I, when Notre Dame uh, signed on for the 2020 season with the ACC, that they signed an agreement that said they couldn't go to another conference for like Eight years or whatever. Um, so I don't know how how withstanding that is. So we may not see Notre Dame make any moves for a while. And I don't think I think this conference realignment thing, I don't think we're gonna see a bunch of conference realignment in the next two, three years. I think this is very much gonna be a 10-year process or so, like it has been already. I mean, to get to this point, we have to go back to 2011, when we saw a bunch of teams move to the SEC in the Big Ten, and now 10 years later, we're seeing the second movement. Of that I think it's going to take another 10 years till we see all schools go where they need to, maybe even longer because of the ACC's contracts and all that. But with a Stanford drawing in a Notre Dame becomes easier because then you have Notre Dame Stanford, Notre Dame USC. Um, do they have a rivalry with UCLA? I feel like Notre Dame has a rivalry with anybody who's
2: older than. I don't think they do, honestly. At least if it is, it's not very publicized.
0: Um, I'm looking at this up right now. Oh uh, uh, Yeah, I would not call it a rivalry. Um, but either way, US, US, sorry, Notre Dame-Stanford, Notre Dame-USC, Notre Dame-Michigan, Notre dame Ohio state um, which isn't uh, as big as the other ones. But Notre Dame even has small rivals with Michigan State and Purdue – and hell, Penn State, I mean, not too long ago, Marty Marty would recall, recall a little better here, Notre Dame-Penn State was quite the rivalry because you, you grow up in Pennsylvania, for the most part, unless you live right, in, right around Philadelphia, where you could be a Temple fan, or right around Pittsburgh, where you could be a Pitt fan, you're either a Penn State or Notre Dame fan for the most part. And if you're not the one, you hate the other. And... I think Notre Dame and the Big Ten would be great just from that aspect, and it would make a lot of sense as well.
2: This Notre Dame conversation is so interesting because it kind of leads into the talk about the ACC, which is really who I've been thinking about this entire day because I'm only saying that because the SEC, like you said, is not going to sit back and just watch this and go, huh, that's really interesting. They're going to try to make a move too. And who do you think they're going to reach out to? And it's probably not going to be Notre Dame either. They're going to reach out to the Clemsons, the Florida States, the Miamis, the other big players in the ACC. So if you're the ACC, you almost have to make a move in this scenario. Go
1: ahead. The way I look at it, if you're the SEC, you add Texas and Oklahoma, they'll put you at 16 teams. You're probably looking to get to 20. You can go on like four or five team pods at that point. If you're the ACC, geographically, look what four teams make sense: Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and what maybe North Carolina. You know, I, I think that the SEC, like you said, they're gonna make a move, and the, the Notre Notre Dame might be the linchpin in all of this. Um, you know it, Dylan. I as someone I- who spent his entire life living in western Pennsylvania. As a Penn State fan, I can't stand Notre Dame. I would love to play Notre Dame every year. The Big Ten has long wanted Notre Dame. Geographically, it makes sense. There's a lot of rivalries there, especially now with USC in the picture. Um, yeah, I, personally, I think eventually Notre Dame is going to wind up in the Big Ten when this whole thing shakes out. So this is we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: So I was just trying to keep. I, I looked it up. Uh, now this was as of 2016. Um, So I don't know if it was reworked, but in 2016, Dennis Dodd tweeted uh, new ACC grant of rights basically means if if Notre Dame joins a conference, it will be. It will be through 2036, the ACC. Uh, So in the grant of rights and how everything was set up, Notre Dame could only join the ACC. The problem is, I don't think the ACC is going to be around in 2036, let alone maybe 2020 let's say let's just say 2030 i don't know if the acc will be around as we know it to the point if like because let's be honest we're all thinking of it the sec is going to go after clemson florida state miami right for sure and it makes 100%. sense if the, SEC, if the sec went after them if the acc loses those three there's a good chance they lose duke north carolina um maybe a Georgia Tech or Virginia or Virginia Tech. They could lose any of those to maybe a Big Ten or whatever other conference is formed around them. Um, so, I mean, are they are they really going to be able to stop Notre Dame from joining a Big Ten? So it's going to be interesting. Uh, so in that aspect, the ACC may have a card up their sleeve that keeps them alive because of Notre Dame. But, I mean, even if they added Notre Dame but lost the other three, does it really matter? I mean, uh, there w- it's it's going to be an interesting next decade because, like I said, I don't think this is going to be anytime soon. Um, I don't think we see any more teams join the Big Ten for at least another two two. Uh, I mean, maybe next t- this year time this time next year, but I don't think we're going to hear much about it right now. Uh, the big. Factor. To remember, here is this got done today because uh, tomorrow is July first, which resets the calendar year in college athletics fiscally. Um, and uh, if they did it, on, if they did it as of July first, uh, I forget. I think it would have almost had to be a, a, even later than 2024. But with that being done today it allows them to be ready for 2024. But uh, yeah, just, it'll be interesting to see how this affects realignment going forward. Cause we're not done. Like you both said, um, it's going to be very uh, long process here and uh, we're just getting started, but it's going to be enjoyable and, and we can already, we can sit down and argue if this is all good for college football or not. Uh, but in the meantime, even if it's a bad thing for college football, I think it's going to be a very enjoyable time until um, it eventually collapses in on itself. But, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy times. We'll be here and for 25 about 25 minutes. You know,
2: we'll be here we for have, another 25 have, minutes. <laughs> Let me talk, Dylan. <laughs> we'll, we'll be here for another 25 minutes if we start talking about the morality of this and if it's good for college football. That's all I wanted to say. Absolutely.
0: And we haven't even gone in, and we're not today. But we haven't even gone into uh, rumored nine point five million dollar nil deals for quarterbacks either. So, um, oh god, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a fun next couple of years uh, to watch. But uh, to wrap up this conversation, guys, um, with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, what what it, what are you guys most looking forward to? Like for me, I mean. It hasn't sunk in yet, but I, I can't believe that in two years from now, two and a half years, let's say, we may be watching USC play Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State on the road in November. I mean, can what a world, guys! What a world! We are the one cool thing about conference realignment is we're gonna get some dream games and scenarios that we may never have seen before and credit to usc they know by coming to the big 10 that means they're going to have to travel into cold climates quite a bit you think i mean what outside of auburn coming to penn state one's how many how many sec teams have traveled to the north in the last 10 years yeah,
1: there haven't been many. I mean, honestly, the only one I can think of is when Alabama played a Penn State back in 2011. Yeah, that was
0: 2011. So 2011, 2021, LSU played Wisconsin a couple of years ago too. But that was in September. And all three of those games were in September. And I know it's not conference schedules, but still. Uh, can you imagine USC or UCLA on the road in the snow? I mean, crazy. And not, and not you know, amazing. But what are you guys looking forward to about this change?
1: I mean, I just, as a college football fan, you, you have to look forward to this, you know, USC playing Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state with regularity, you know, those could be, you know, game of the year type matchups most years. And, you know, even just to narrow it down simply as a, you know, someone who watches the big 10 more than any other conference. And I kind of touched on it earlier, but you know having that big 10 after dark, like we see at the Pac 12 after dark, it, on it. I know we joked about it, but it'll be cool. It will be cool to see, yeah. You know, 10-11 o'clock on a Saturday night, seeing a Wisconsin or a Minnesota, somebody like that kicking off out in the Coliseum or out in the Rose Bowl. It'll just it'll be interesting. But my only other comment on it, one thing I will say that with the inevitable death of the Pac 12 here and things changing. There's a lot of college football from the past that will be missed, but the, the Big Ten yeah. Pac-12 matchup, 5 p.m. New Year's Day, in the Rose Bowl definitely will be at the top of that
0: list. The well, you know, I think that today's event signifies, sadly, in college football, and if, if any of our listeners listen to us as a podcast before we became Penn State-centric with any Nation, it's – and we talked about this before, but college football was losing its regionality and – all that, but with this move, there is no more regionality in college football. There is no more uh, geographical rivalries. There's no, there's no more of that. Th- that portion of football, college football, is done. The Big Ten used to have like every play, every conference, every even parts of different conferences had their own identities. That's that's no more. There is no more individual identities for conferences in college football. It is it's now one huge multiple, which I'm not saying is necessarily a bad thing, but it also means we're going to lose some good rivalries that uh, unfortunately we may not get to see for a long time. Uh, and that includes the Pac-12. I mean, if. If, you know, some of these schools don't move out to the Big Ten, there are going to be some. Rivalries that are lost in uh, in time because of uh, the moves, but it is what it is. But I, I guess that that is one downside. That uh, as just a fan of college football, and somebody who loves the sport and the history
2: of it, it is a little bit sad. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's not all exciting. Like you know, as somebody who's also loves college football and understands the the uh, the impact of traditions and culture and you know rivalries. It definitely is a, a somber, a somber day. At the same time, you know what I'm excited about, though. To go back to your original question, I'm. Like, I've always said to like friends and people I'm close to that I would love the idea of being able to like wake up at like 9:30 on the West Coast and like see football on my TV and just ride that wave the entire day. That sounds amazing. And you know, it might not fully happen here because we'll never have games on the East Coast before noon. But like. It, it's kind of cool to think that, like, at 2 in the morning, if I'm, like, still up watching TV, I can watch Penn State play potentially. I could watch Big Ten teams play. It, it, it's a cool idea, and, you know, I'm kind of excited for that on a personal level, plus being able to see all those rivalries.
0: Yeah, I'm just laughing in my head a little bit about the idea of uh, USC playing, like, a 12 p.m. noon kick in, like, Bloomington in the middle of October. Like, it's just it, – like, I'm excited for the Penn State, USC, Penn State, Ohio State, USC, even Penn State, USC, LA, and all those different matchups. But, um, yeah, I, I it's just – it's those smaller matchups that are funnier. Like, I mean, the Iowa USC is going to be great. The Wisconsin USC will be great. But Rutgers USC, yeah, Rutgers UCLA, Il- Illinois UCLA, like, th- those are the ones that are going to crack me up just because – They're they're so random and weird at the beginning. um, Yeah, there's going to be plenty of premier matchups, but there are going to be plenty of funny ones too. Marty, any final thoughts?
1: No, I would say is I'm with you. I'm here for 11 a.m. local kickoff time, UCLA at Northwestern. Chip Kelly trying to get his team motivated. Let's go.
0: Yeah, that's going to be Yeah, I mean, it's already hard enough for Big Ten teams to get motivated to play at Northwestern at 11 a.m., you know, uh, local time. Can you imagine trying to get USC or UCLA motivated to play at Northwestern? It's uh, unbelievable. All right, let's move on, guys, Um, because while that has taken up the entire sports world, there is actually news for Penn State today, and that is that Florida safety King Mack – has committed to the Nittany Lions over Michigan State on Thursday afternoon. Um, this one went kind of down to the wire here. Um, it, it was a little closer than I think Penn State wanted but at the end of the day, Penn State grabs their second uh, member of the secondary out of Florida, in the 2023 recruiting class in King Mac. He joins teammate at Say Thomas Aquinas down in Fort Lauderdale, uh, Conrad Hussey uh, as part of the Ninny lines class. Uh, this is a nice big pickup for the Ninny lines. I mean, he's a guy that, um, uh, I've heard plenty of comparisons to out there. I've heard, uh, you know, a honey badger, um, and among a couple others out there that, uh, would be great if that's what he turns into. Um, but I mean, good size, elite speed, um, these are the type of kids Penn state recruits well and usually is able to develop quite well as well, as well. So what are your guys thoughts on the addition of King Mack to Penn state 2023 recruiting class?
2: I absolutely love this pickup. Like you said, Michigan state definitely made it interesting down the stretch run, but Penn state was able to hold on to the lead that they had and, and get the commitment. Um, He brings you speed, speed, and more speed. He's not just fast for Pennsylvania. He's Florida fast. Like he's like got verified top times in track down in Florida. If you're good in track country, you're legit fast. You know, he's a little on the shorter side. He's listed at 5'11". I don't think he's, I think he's a little shorter than that. So he can be a safety. Personally, I love his projection, as a slot corner in the role that Daquan Hardy currently plays, I think he could do really well in that position. And I think he'll slot in right behind Hardy in, for the next couple of years until he eventually moves on. So I love this pickup. You know, I think he really rounds out a really good secondary class for Penn state. Cider was a big part of this one, but Poindexter is also doing work in the secondary.
0: And you mentioned uh, his speed, and it is like you said, Florida speed. So we're talking real speed here. Um, he had at the uh, Florida high school uh, class three A track and field state championships this year, finished fourth. Uh, sorry, first in the four hundred meter dash with a uh, second point second point six eight time. Um, he also finished fourth in one hundred meter at, with a ten point six four time. Uh, so I mean elite speed out of Mac here. Um, that, uh, like I said, these are the type of guys, Penn State likes to recruit. Uh, he is on the shorter side, but he has some great length and, uh, yeah, I'm he's a really intriguing prospect. And I think he's while shorter is, I think maybe the, I don't even think maybe, I think he's, he could be the one of the crown jewels defensively of this class, even by even if they do add some of the bigger names here over the next couple of weeks.
1: Marty, no, I agree. I, Mac is a kid I really like. Um, Anthony nailed it. Just speed, speed, speed. Like you said, he, he's Florida fast, and you know, Florida fast it's kind of like being fast, fast, as Deion Sanders would say. So it's a huge addition to this class and having him and Connor Hussey together, either they are Florida kids or South Florida kids, it's the, it's the kind of recruitment. It's never over till Penn hits paper, but with them being close, being teammates, having them committed together can only help Penn state's causes of getting both of them signed come December. And I really do like the Daquan Hardy uh, comparison as well. And, you know, if you look at the defense, Manny Diaz likes to run, it's a lot of four-two-five, and whatever you want to call that other position in his defense, you know, the the nickel, the striker, whatever you want to call it. It seems like King Mac is really built to play that position pretty well. Um could also potentially, like we said, get a little bit of safety rep, get some time a field corner, a boundary corner. So just a lot of potential there in this pickup. And Dylan, I agree he could prove to be one of the defensive jewels of this recruiting class.
0: I agree. And I think cornerback is very much like running back and wide receiver almost for Penn State. Uh, they have almost such a track record for those positions in terms of developing that I think if you're a Penn state fan, you have to trust the, a, the coaching staff's evaluations of these players, but then also look at your track record and think, all right, we've seen what they've been able to do development wise with a, B, and C, if they can do it with pl- this player, in this case, King Mac, the potential is there for, Potential great value. I mean, who Joey Porter Jr. coming out of high school was was a quality prospect. People thought he could be good. Nobody, I think, thought he would be potentially a first round draft pick. However, just a couple of years later, and look at what they've done so far. I mean, he is, If he comes out and has a good season here for Penn State, Joey Porter Jr. could be looking at not just being a first round draft pick next year, but potentially a top half of the draft, maybe top ten draft pick. Um, so, I mean, and, and that's a big selling point for, for Penn State as well when it comes to the, their secondary.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you obviously are going to sell your draft success, you know, on the recruiting yeah. trail. So, you know, you know, Penn State had a lot of things going forward in this one. They were able to seal the deal. Um, if you're a fan, you should absolutely be excited about it. I think he's a player that could potentially even rise in the rankings I know he's currently a three-star. I'd fully expect him to be a four-star on rivals when everything is said and done. He's, he's that good, and, yeah, he's, he's, he's a key piece to this defensive back class.
0: And I don't think we've talked about it yet, but uh, he's also very versatile, which, uh, I mean, you're never going to turn down versatility on your defense. He can line up at corner. He can line up at safety. He could probably line up at linebacker. Well, he has in high school lined up at linebacker. You can use him in a variety of ways, and and if you if you're a college football fan who follows it rather closely, you know that Manny Diaz loves versatility in his defense, and he will use it to his advantage. And uh, these this is exactly the type of player that he loves to have, and I I am intrigued by how they will use him going forward, or once he arrives on campus. Any other thoughts on King Mac, guys? All right, well, moving off from King Mac, let's uh, quickly go over uh, a couple of the upcoming commitment dates for Penn State. Uh, So by the time this goes up, it will be July 1st, which uh, notably will also be the first day of Pat Kraft's tenure, which we'll get into a second. But uh, July 1st, um, today, when this goes up, four-star corner Daniel Harris out of – down in Miami, will be announcing his commitment. Um, I currently have a future cast in for Georgia to land. Uh, Harris Penn State did hold a hosting for official visit. A visit went well, but it the Bulldogs were just too much to overcome here. Ohio State was also in that race pretty strongly for Harris. Uh, if you're Penn State, you obviously would like to win this one, but. Uh, you look at what you've won so far against some of these pro- programs like Georgia, and what you could potentially win in the next couple of weeks, uh, and 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 you'll take the trade-offs. Uh, any thoughts on? Actually, let me just go through the rest, and then I'll get you guys' thoughts. Um, as many people know, four-star running back Trayon Webb was supposed to announce his commitment this past uh, Thursday. So when we were recording this. He ended up pushing his commitment back is not set a date. I still like Penn state in this one. I haven't heard any exact dates of when a commitment can be coming, but I think possibly in the next two to three weeks would be a reasonable expectation. Um, But at the same time, if you're anybody trying to land him, I don't think you're while you want to add him to the class, you're not in a huge rush because It'll just be less time you have to hold on to that commitment. This is a kid already who has committed twice in his recruitment. This isn't done until Penn touches paper in December. Um, Other guys announcing commitments here in the near future. Tony Rojas was supposed to commit on July 5th. He's now pushed that back to July 14th. Uh, That'll be between Georgia, Miami, and Penn State. I still like Penn State. Tamir Robinson will commit on July 15th. That is between Miami, Penn State, and Virginia Tech. I like Penn State there as well. So that could be a string of good, uh, nice back-to-back days there for Penn State if the future casts are correct. And then on the 28, defensive end, Derek LeBlanc would announce his commitment between uh, Florida, Oklahoma, Penn State. Uh, many believe Florida could be the team to be there, but uh, – that's going to be an interesting one to follow i'm not i don't think he's necessarily a penn state lean i don't think penn state should be the favorite right now to land him but i think penn state's probably in it better than most think but i also think oklahoma here uh is a could be the sneaky uh right pick as well or sneaky smart pick if we're if you want to guess who he's going to go to um but that one's quite a bit away so We'll have more on that as we head into July and ultimately late July. But any thoughts on any of those guys, uh, Anthony or Marty?
1: You know, it seems with Daniel
0: Harris, you
1: mentioned him, that Penn State really did all they could in that recruitment. probably made it a lot closer to Georgia than anyone could have expected. It looked like it could be the Bulldogs. But outside of that, man, this could be a really good couple weeks here for Penn State. You know, you mentioned John Webb. Not sure when he's going to commit. Seems like it'll be soon. Like you said, it seems like Penn State's team to beat there. Excuse me, Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson, arguably their top two defensive targets this entire cycle. It looks like they're ready to close on those guys. So, yeah, it could be a really productive and exciting couple of weeks here for Penn State on the recruiting trail.
0: And, and that doesn't even include guys that don't have any scheduled commitments, but I think could be coming up to decisions like uh, London Montgomery.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You no, know, I said this months ago. Uh, if Penn State could put together a running back class of Londa Montgomery and Trey on Webb, I would be absolutely ecstatic. And it looks like the odds of that happening are pretty high. And that would be that would be one hell of a haul by J one Sider and company.
2: Agreed. Anthony, what's your thoughts on any of those guys? I just think I think Marty Agreed. sums it up well. It sounds like it's going to be a very fun July for Penn State and for Penn State fans. Um, I, I know, um, you know, anytime a kid moves a commitment date back, uh, you get a little nervous of uh, both Webb sure. and Earl to move their commitments back. Um, I can't speak on Webb. I can't really speak on either of them, technically, but I, I don't think there's anything really to worry about in those cases. It just sounds like, you know, there are other factors involved with the commitment dates being moved. But, you know, I think Penn State still sits in a great spot with all of them, like you said. Obviously, Daniel Harris is probably going to Georgia, so I'm excluding him. And all those guys are announcing that's not even including other guys. Like you said, that could possibly go public in July. I'm sure there'll be more than just those three or four names that we mentioned. So, you know, it's going to be fun as kids start to announce, you know, their commitments and July and August is really the time that a lot of these kids do that.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, I will say what
2: I, I will say between
0: Rojas and Webb, um, I would be more confident in Rojas right now. Uh, I, I still right now think Webb is, would choose Penn state. will choose Penn state, but with Rojas, um, for those who are subscribed to Indian nation uh, as uh, reported on Indian nation last week um, for prior to last weekend, uh, Tony Rojas did not make his trip to Georgia. he, ended up canceling that visit shortly after his visit to Penn state the week before um, that trip did not happen. So he never visited Georgia, which means the last visit, official visit was Penn state, which makes you, which leads you to believe that Penn state would be the pick. That's why the future casts are in for Rojas to Penn state. There's multiple of them. Lab on the other hand, just because of how his recruitment has gone, I don't think you can ever rule anything out. And Let's not let's not beat around the bush here. This recruitment for Webb, I think, means a lot more for Florida than it does for Penn State. If Penn State doesn't land Webb, I think Penn State could land Montgomery. If they want a second running back, so be it, and they'll be fine at running back. Um, they'll take Webb happily. I think Webb, I know a lot of people are concerned about Webb's lack of you know top end speed, but I still think Webb can be a very good running back. In the, in the way of a Noah Kane and Keevon Lee, because I know both those guys, and I know Noah Kane's now gone, but I know both those guys had their struggles the last two years. But when Penn State's offensive line, offensive line has had success running the ball, both those guys have looked very good doing so. And I think Webb can be a very good running back if he can get – uh, the right offensive line in front of him, whether that's, you know, at Penn state of or Florida, or South Carolina, but we know Florida does have quite a bit of NIL money. And I don't know if they're throwing any money at him. I'm sure they're putting some money towards him. Um But like I said, this recruitment means a lot more for Florida. I think than it does for Penn state, especially with how their recruitment uh, has gone in the 2023 recruiting class. I mean, Losing out on Jalen Rashada was a big hit to the Gators and the morale of that uh, fan base right now. So, you know, uh, that I, I think Webb is a little bit more worth watching. I still like Penn State, but I think it's more worth watching if that makes sense. Anthony.
2: Listen, if you've been on any sort of message board over the last couple of weeks, don't tell Florida fans that they got NIL money to throw around. <laughs> but i won't get into that right now but yeah no Webb is an interesting case you know this is going to be his third commitment and i don't blame the kid for pushing it back one bit you know it seems like he's still a little torn you know he's got family connections to florida i'm sure that plays a part in yeah this. but it seems like penn state really knocked it out of the park on that official visit and it's clearly got him thinking penn state because he's gotten a bunch of predictions from a bunch of different places there so I don't blame him for pushing it back. Take your time. Make the right decision. You know, you don't want to have been decommitted three times already. That's, that's really bad. Yeah. So, you know, uh, make the right choice. Make sure that this is your last commitment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't think I'm I, – I, 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 I think it's fair to say, though, about what I said with this recruitment being more important for Florida than it is for Penn State. Uh, that Penn State, Penn State wants him, no doubt about it. But if Penn State loses him, Penn State will be okay. And, and Florida, of course, will survive if they lose him too. But it the, it would be, I, I think it would be tougher for the Florida fan base a little bit to swallow uh, than it would be for the Penn State fan base. Um, any other thoughts on recruiting before we go into our very last quick topic? no. All right, last topic, guys. Let's get into it. Like we said, Pat Kraft will become the AD at Penn State as we're recording in about uh, 50 minutes. Um, So by the time this goes live, he'll be officially the AD of Penn State at Penn State. um, There's a lot for Kraft to work on here at Penn State uh, that he he will need to take a, a quick first step towards fixing or getting ahead of. Um, I think let's be fair to say the top of that priority for Penn State should be and Pat Craft should be the NIL correct the NIL issues correct.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Penn State is a program that from the the get go the NIL has largely been behind the eight ball. To their credit, it seems like they've started to get some things you know scored away there in recent weeks, and I think a big part right. of that is Pat Craft is already you know, been making calls, doing what he needs to do to be ready to hit the ground running on, on, on Friday. And, yeah, it, it seems with Pat Kraft and NIL, Penn State has an athletic director now that is fully bought in on everything that needs to be done in order to prioritize Penn State football and do what they can to make Penn State football reach its ceiling and maximize its potential. So, yeah, I think that this is going to prove to be a tremendous hire by Penn State. And craft's ability to really cultivate things and get people moving in the right direction and everyone moving together, most importantly, in the right direction, then IL is going to be a big part of that.
0: Anthony?
2: Yeah, I've I've said this once and I'll say it again now. This to me feels like the official end of the sanction era at Penn State. You know. Sandy Sandy Barber and Eric Barron, you know, they were brought in in a time where, you know, Penn State was just trying to stay above water, trying to rebuild their reputation. They really weren't forward thinking, you know. And you can argue that, you know, they did their job for what they were asked to do, but it, it is time for new leadership. It is time for people who are going to try to push Penn State to that next level. And that is exactly what I think, you know, President Ben and um Craft are going to do you know Craft from everything I've seen about him everything that I have heard about him he seems like the kind of guy that he walks in the room and it's like all right what are we going to do to push this to the next level what are we going to do to make Penn State even better and that includes in the NIL sphere and I think there's an understanding of what needs to be done and I think he's got a plan to do it I, I this is a long time coming for Penn State this is exciting for Penn State you know and I can't wait to see what he does over the coming years because he hasn't even stepped foot in the door yet. And he's already had an impact on this sphere. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's exciting stuff. That's, that's the best way I can put it.
0: Great. And I'll, I'll keep it true. I'm going to have an article on this on Thursday at some point. Um, NIL has to be at the top of the list. Penn state. If ben Z- if Penn state football is going to stay where it's at, and get better, They need, the NIL money has to be there. Um, secondly, I think Kraft will need to, he'll, he'll likely be the guy who makes more decisions about the renovations that will or will not happen at Beaver Stadium um, and other revenue streams that you could possibly bring in. I know I people have been a long time wondering if we could ever see beer, beer sales there. I'm not sure if that's gonna be a thing under Pat Graff, but I think I think for the for Penn State football, the athletic department success, and NIL, you need to find uh different ways to stream revenue. And he's a guy who knows how to fundraise. So I mean it's just not just beer sales, but I think just in general, he beyond renovations, he's a guy who Is going to have to explore and take advantage of different types of revenue streams that he could bring in for the athletic program and for Penn State football as well.
1: Yeah, and that's something Penn State really sorely missed under Sandy Barber. Um, One of her biggest shortcomings as an athletic director was she really, really struggled with fundraising, and that was something that hurt the football program in a lot of ways while she was athletic director. And it seems like with craft now that those problems really are going to be out the window, not not be a problem anymore for Penn state. I I think what's most important is for the first time in the James Franklin era, it seems like you have your football coach, your athletic director and your president all, you know, lock and step together, ready to do what needs to be done to get this football program to be where everyone wants it to be. And, it doesn't matter if you're Penn State if you're Alabama, if you're a Division two school, if you don't have everyone if you don't have everyone on the same page, you're not gonna you're not going to find the success you want. So it seems like with Penn State everyone finally is on the same page on that front.
0: Anthony.
2: Yeah, I don't have too much else to add to be honest with you. I, I 100% agree with what Marty said. You know it's, it's you know Sandy Sandy Barber was you know, she was what she was, you know, and it's, I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for a, a new AD that's going to bring fresh new ideas. And I feel like Kraft's going to do exactly that. That's all, that's the only thing I can really add to it.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and I guess the last thing I had as a writer that I'll be looking at Pat Kraft to work, uh, do a Penn state would be Penn state scheduling issues when it comes to the big 10 football. And I I looked at this earlier today and I I believe if I read it all correctly. Penn State between the years of 2010, and 2025, will have started their Big Ten schedule at home just twice, 2015 and 2025. Um it's amazing that Penn State let that happen at at the the way it has. I uh, I mean to only play at home twice. To start your Big Ten conference schedule in 15 years, that is, I mean, that is incredible consistency on one end. But, I mean, just, I don't know how you let that happen. And I don't think if you're Pat Craft, you can continue to let that happen, especially considering the fact that your conference has just expanded to include two teams in California.
2: Yeah. Especially when you're one of the top teams in your conference, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know, like, you know, ideally, you know, I think there's differing opinions on this, but ideally you want to, you know, have your first game of the season at home. You know, you want to be able to have that home environment to, to work all of the kinks out in your offense, you know, maybe figure some things out, you know, it, that 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 is really brutal. That uh, you know, it's kind of nice towards the end of the season you get those home games, but you know, it, it does it does really kind of suck when like you have to start every game on the road, especially last year at Wisconsin, this year at Purdue. You know, these are these are decent sized games. These aren't cupcakes. So yeah, that does play yeah. a part. And I'm sure Kraft one more thing. I'm sure Kraft of one of the first things he's gonna do is, you know, at the Big Ten meetings, is kind of beat the table and be like what are we doing here?
0: Yeah. And, and the other thing with Penn State scheduling that I think is worth mentioning. And I, and I know once you get into the season, there's only so many ways you can have it happen, but how many times in the last five years or so and in the future has Penn State got stuck with having to face Ohio state and Michigan and Michigan state within a three or four week span? I mean, um, that is a tough gauntlet to go through, not just once, but three, four times. And it feels like Penn State has faced Penn, uh, Ohio State and Michigan in back-to-back weeks or back-to-back games, uh, at least that many times over the last couple of years. Um, so that's another thing to, uh, just to add to that schedule and stuff. Uh, Marty, any thoughts on that or, or are we ready to wrap this up? No, you
1: guys know it. It seems like Penn State consistently gets shafted by the Big Ten. They're scheduling, you know, starting on the road, 2017 and 2018, they played Ohio State, Michigan State, back-to-back weeks. This year, they have a three-week stretch of Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State. Um, Yeah, when when you are at worst the number three program in your conference and a traditional blue bud to boot, you, you deserve better than that. You should not be scheduled that way. If nothing else, it's dumb on the conference's part. Cause all you're doing is setting up one of your blue bloods one of your potential playoff teams you're making it more difficult on them than you should be
0: absolutely and with that we're in we'll end this episode here for today guys uh thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the Penn State Football 365 podcast my name is Dylan Crowley he's Anthony is on and he's Marty Leap Uh, Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. Be sure to go over to Nittany Nation, part of the the Rivals Network, covering Penn State football and athletics. Give us a try, a 30-day free trial over there, providing a lot of content every day uh, on the boards. A lot of recruiting information coming off a great month. Uh should be a lot of information coming out this month of July. It's gonna be another busy one for Penn State football. I can guarantee you that even with the dead period. Um, and as we head into um uh, fall camp here, that's right around the corner. That's exciting stuff. Um, yeah, so never better time to check out in any nation. Take advantage of that free trial. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy our podcast as usual, because uh I think we provide a very unique experience here between a professional look at it from my point of view, but also through the point of view of two fans. So um, it, while we try to remain professional, we also give a little bit of that fan aspect here, try to get the voice of the Nindy nation fan base into the podcast, because you can go and listen to Penn state football writers talk about the podcast, all you want, but the, uh, the views of a writer and the views of a fan are two very different, and I think having a nice, unique combination of both in a podcast presents a great way to look at any subject, but especially college football, whether it's on the field or on the recruiting trail, I think creates a great, uh, unique uh, product. So thank you again for listening to the episode. Uh, And we'll talk to you guys next week with another episode uh, of the Penn State football three subscribe podcast until then take care and have a good one.